0: Welcome to podcast number 11 of Bass Talk with Hagen and Hayes. And today's topic is My Favourite Five. Good morning, Susan. How are you?
1: I'm good, David. Good afternoon. How are you doing?
0: Very well, thank you. And today I've chosen five of my favourite bass recordings. I thought we could talk about those. Excellent. And what did you think to the list? Did Did you enjoy listening to them?
1: I loved listening to them. What's interesting is that I really didn't know many of these recordings until you pointed them out to me. So it was really exciting for me.
0: Great. Well, the first one was the Granchina double bass of Frantijek Poshta. And Franticek Poshta was my teacher. He was principal bass of the Czech Philharmonic for over 40 years and a really fantastic player, a, a complete musician. He, he used to sing on the bass, really, really fantastic. And about 40 years ago, I, I got a a package of music from the Czech Music Information Center in Prague. They sent me this really nice package of, of, of bass music and this one recording, which was this Granchino double bass of František posta. Um, and I was—I think I was about 21 at the time, 22. And I'd already met Sarah, who's my wife now. And I put the record on. And within a minute, she said, He's the one, he's the one to go and study with. Um, and so I did. And fortunately, I, I met him the following year. The Isle of Man bass competition. Mm-hmm. That was 1982, and we, we uh, met him there. And I think he was the probably probably the oldest bass player there. And he gave the, the final recital of the week on a borrowed bass. And I still I think it's the best recital of the week. I have to yes. say it was absolutely phenomenal. And earlier in the week, we'd seen him. We were walking along the 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 cliff top one day, and he was coming the other way, and he recognised us. And he said i've got a rehearsal at four o'clock this afternoon would you like to come and hear so yeah we'd love to so we went to this person's house imagine he's inviting you into somebody else's house so (laughs) (laughs) it was really strange so we knocked on the door so we've come for a rehearsal and uh, and he was in there rehearsing with this pianist and it was in someone's lounge so i I was only three four five feet away from him and i'd never heard playing like it i'd never heard musicianship like just the quality and it was unbelievable. And it really, really changed my life. And, and then it took me, I think, about four years to do anything about it because Czechoslovakia at the time was still under communist rule. Sure. So you had to get visas, you had to, we had to sign in with the police when we got there. It was it was quite difficult. But we went we went in 1986 and and I had, I think, 26 hours of lessons in about 12 days. And when I was at at Royal College of Music, I had 30 hours a year. So I'd had had almost a year of tuition in in 10 or 12 days. That's amazing. amazing. And what what did you like about it?
1: Well, you know, the first thing, I listened to this recording numerous times. And um, the first thing that I thought was, wow, that tone, I mean, I've heard you and Lynn Hannings and, and other people talking about Pascha and his tone. And it, it was and I wrote, actually wrote down notes because I sometimes get airheaded and I like to see what I <laughs> what I thought. And I wrote in all capital letters, so singing and all these exclamation points, of course. Um, But the tone. Was, it's just maybe the most beautiful sound I've ever heard on the bass and I can see why hearing him even just on a recording not having gotten to hear him in person you would want to study with him but then getting to hear that in the same room and I can't I mean I can only imagine how phenomenal he was that you could hear him on a bass that was unfamiliar to him and he still was just mind-blowingly incredible but the the sound that he produces is stunning it's just glorious but also he was so inherently musical it never sounded forced or overdone it was just this beautiful musicality I thought I want to sound like that but in this in the recording we'll let people hear a little bit of it like the first note kind of comes out of nowhere like you feel it, you sense it, and then its presence is a little more known. And it's not like he snuck in. Like, you know how sometimes you sneak in because you're a little uncertain. It wasn't that. It was just, it just blossomed from out of nowhere. And I was just awestruck by his sound.
0: Frank was, uh, he, was he was a really fantastic musician. And there's something I always st- say to my students is, do you want to be a musician or do you want to be a bass player? Mm. Um, a bass player plays the notes and a musician plays the music. And Frank was a musician first. He just yeah. so happened to play the bass. And he meant every note. He didn't throw one note away. And that was the, the interesting thing. And I, I still have music with his fingerings written in. Mm. And he, so he's, he's been dead 30 years. And the fingerings are still so fantastic. Um, yeah. Some of them are a little, maybe a little bit old fashioned these days. Yeah. But you, I can still feel the. I, I know why he chose the fingerings he chose yeah. because he would get the emotion the and the quality um, by using the fingerings that he, that he used. Sure. He, he was a tough teacher. He would only tell me things once. And mm. if I didn't get it first time, he just moved on to something else. He, he was really. Oh. He- <laughs>
1: that's tricky because sometimes it can take a couple shots at fixing something or changing something.
0: Well, that was that was the old uh, communist system. You, you yeah. just once. And if you don't get it tough, that's your problem, not mine. And- <laughs> He was quite tough, but he was a great teacher, and he, you know, he'd just pick up the bass and it would just sound like poster. It it didn't matter what which bass it was, and again, just to be so close to him um, was really fantastic. And the the, when we were first in Prague in 1986, the very last night we were there, he had a recital in 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 the center of Prague. He'd doing half a recital, and we Mm. went to that. And it was just phenomenal to hear him play this Granchino double bass yeah. from 1693. Sometimes I had lessons on that bass. Oh, wow. And um, I used to play music by František Czerny, which was mm-hmm. played. And the bass had been owned by Czerny. So I used to play Czerny's <sighs> music on Czerny's bass.
1: That's really cool.
0: And I think it doesn't get much better than this, does it? Right? This, is, this is quite special. And, yeah. and the piece I've chosen today was the... Botticini's elegy number three, which is also called Romanza Patetica or Melody. I think um, Frank played a a French edition of of, uh, this piece. And it's just actually glorious. And in fact, this is the piece that I heard him rehearsing in the Isle of Man.
1: No kidding. Oh, wow. Perfect choice then.
0: Yep. So this is Botticini, elegy number three, Romanza Patetica. Which now brings me to my second recording. And the second one is Ludwig Streicher spielt Bottasini. Ludwig Streicher plays Bottasini. And this was the second record I bought. I only had one record in my collection. So I, I doubled my collection with him. It was, it was so funny. I, I bought the, this record by uh, George Hortnagel, German bass player playing Ah, and That was the only record in the uh, 1970s which was readily available. And I went down to London for a lesson. And I had a bit of time, so I, I just wandered down Gower Street near the British Museum, and there was a record shop there. So I went in, in there, and I said, do you have any bass records? And they had this one record, Ludwig mm-hmm. Sarko, Spiele Botticini. And I had two pounds on me, and this was so $2, and this was like $1.80. Oh, wow. And I had 20 cents left, and I got about, the journey back was, I think, four hours on the train. and I said I had probably two hours before, so I had about another eight hours to go. <laughs> um, and I had 20 cents to buy food and drink. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> but it was the best thing I ever bought. And I I remember I got on the train and there were no seats left, so I had to stand or sit in the corridor. And I read the back of this, this LP 4,000 times. And as soon as I got home, I hadn't got time for food or drink. I had to go and put this record on. And this one record changed my life completely mm. because I, I'd seen all this Bottasini music, but I'd never really heard anybody playing it. And there was this man who was human, not superhuman, playing it, and uh, playing it really fantastically. And I thought, if he can do it, I can do it. All I need to know is how to do it. And that's <laughs> what I didn't know at the time. Um, and that was the, the difficulty of getting from A to B. But once I worked out how to do that, it was fine. And, and I, I think even now, I think it was recorded in the 70s, late 70s, it still stands up. I, I know the level of playing has in, improved but I still think this is one of the best Bottesini recordings.
1: Oh, it's great, yeah. Um, Stryker was the hero of a few of my college friends. Mm-hmm. And I remember not knowing who he was. I, you know, growing up in Boston, I was probably mildly obsessed with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. You know, it was right here in my own backyard. And I didn't realize or know or understand um, that you could play solos and record them. You could have a solo career. It was really not something that I understood. And I remember, um, a lot of the hardcore BSO followers, you know, the students were like, Oh, you don't want to listen to a striker. You need to listen to Chicago symphony with Schulte <laughs> playing the Beethoven symphonies, that sort of a thing. Um, and I heard a recording, and it might've actually been this recording cause it was, it was a bunch of Botticini. Um, and I thought, wow, he's clean, clear tone, especially the high register. Mm-hmm. Really the the harmonics are so fabulous, so singing. They sound effortless. Um and I I even in this recording, I like the piano playing. I oftentimes don't even think about Mm-hmm. I'm so obsessed with listening to the bass player. But in this recording, I even was like, wow, this pianist is sensitive and, mm-hmm. you know, really good at supporting, but staying out of the way. Um, but yeah, Stryker's playing is absolutely beautiful. Uh, and it brought me back to the very first time I actually heard this piece um, was Ben Levy, who's a bass player in the Boston Symphony, mm. had just gotten the BSO job and he was practicing backstage one day. And I didn't know. The, the Tarantella. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? This is clearly Bottasini because it sounds like it, but what is this piece? And he showed it to me, I was like, oh my God. And But this recording of Strikers, it's fun. It's just mm-hmm. uplifting and, and joyful to listen to.
0: It is. I, I never heard him play live, but I did meet him. We had mm-hmm. dinner with him and his wife and daughter in Vienna. We nice. Went to their house, which was Sarah and I, which was really nice. So we spent four or five hours with them. It, it was really lovely. And uh, his wife was telling me about his career as a solo bassist. And um, when he was in his 20s, I I think he was in the Vienna Philharmonic Mm -hmm. and he decided he wanted to be a soloist and all his colleagues made fun of him. Mm -hmm. So he didn't bother. He decided not to. I I think he probably still played solos, but didn't pursue it. Yeah. And I think in his 40s, he'd been asked to do a recital somewhere. And as he was rehearsing, his wife recorded it and sent it to an agent. Mm. And the agent liked it so much that then suddenly his career took off, um, and that that's how it happened. And on the front of it, this record was a picture of Stryker with his bass, this fantastic Viennese bass. Mm. And I fell in love with the shape of that bass, uh-huh. and I always wanted a Viennese bass. And it took me, I think it's about twenty years ago, I finally got a Viennese bass with oh, a that fantastic so shape. Yeah, it took me a long time. And his bass was there. And uh, I didn't play it, but I could see the bass, and it was amazing. And he told me about the story of how he got it. During I think, during the Second World War, he got mm. it. Um, but he was really a phenomenal player and a phenomenal technician.
1: Yeah. And
0: I, I just love this Bottesini, and and the Tarantella is a piece I've I've loved and I've played many times, and I I just really enjoy this piece. So it's this is Tarantella piece. by Bottesini. Okay, my third one is um, Francois Rabat and Frank Proto. Um, and again, I, I've met both of them. I met Francois, I, I went to his apartment, I was teaching in Paris and we went, I was there with uh, Thierry Barbet and we went to his apartment, he was showing me the new end pin for his bass mm-hmm. and we went to his favorite Chinese restaurant in Paris. And and Francois, I, I, I first heard him in my first term at the Royal College of Music in London, so I was 20. And he came and did a, a masterclass, and he was doing a recital in London the next day. And he played some of his pieces and I was just blown away. And the thing I I'd discovered about Francois is he taught himself because he didn't have a teacher. So he he'd found this this method book by Edward Nanny. And if he didn't understand it, he found a, a technique so that it would work. So he just broke all the rules without realizing his break, breaking of the rules and then composed all this music. Um, and Frank Proto, I Frank, I'd known of for, forever. And we we corresponded. And then I met him in Prague in 2016. Some nice photographs of, of Frank and I. And he very kindly wrote a piece, for my 60th birthday. And I I wrote a piece dedicated to him, and I wrote a piece dedicated to his wife Lisa. And this CD is Carmen Fantasy and two solo pieces by Frank, a fantasy, the bass and orchestra, and concerto number two. And it's one of those recordings where it's just everything comes together. You have great soloist, great composer, great record, just everything great about it. And I was sent this um, when Double Basis magazine first started. I helped set up the magazine and I reviewed it and I gave this this fantastic review. And in the next magazine, someone had written in to say, on the basis of my review, they bought a copy of the CD and they loved it as well. (laughs) And I I was so pleased by that. And what, what did you think of this?
1: Well, at, at first I saw the the album cover and I thought Reboth and Proto. I mean, really, this, that's two big heavy hitters on one CD. So, Reboth playing Proto's music—it's amazing. And you know, when you listen to Reboth's playing on this CD, you can understand why he has so many followers. People mm. that admire his his playing, his musicality, his sound—all of it—and why they wanted to learn from him. When you hear someone. It's just amazing and groundbreaking in many ways, you know you can hear it the the sound it's him, it's so him, and it's it's really great and the I remember um I'd seen his technique books and mm. I bought them, and I was like, Wow, this is like so different from anything I've ever done, and um the solos that he writes are really like breaking the boundaries. Mm but i was fascinated to hear him because i've heard him play so much of his music on you know Mm. youtube and things to hear him play frank's music was it's great it's just Mm. beautiful it's so lovely i just i loved hearing this and i love that the carmen fantasy um if i recall correctly several carmen fantasies sort of came out all at the similar time um but this the proto one seems to have really stood the test of time but this is a great a great cd i feel like so far all of these cds that you're talking <laughs> about people need to go out and get them they need to, I think to hear so. them I think yeah so.
0: but I, I first heard francois i say, when i was about 20 mm-hmm. and he'd done a master class and played and then the next day he was playing the wigmore hall in london mm-hmm. and if i remember i was the only bass player from the royal college then nobody was interested and i bought his book of solos which i'm i just found it's 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 the very first one that, that frank did and i think it was on a music typewriter in the olden days oh, before yeah. computer typesetting and everything and um i've i've still got that and i saw it and i bought it i think october um 1980 i think i'd i'd gone oh. to i think september october 1980 and then i I'd, I'd bought his two lps because they they were available which i've had for all these these years. Mm-hmm. And I've loved his playing ever since. And I, I I love his yeah. his solos. And I I just love the fact that he he didn't know he's breaking all the the, the, the rules. Right. And he's he's made up new rules.
1: Yeah.
0: And the the great thing about it is what what I, I found in the bass world is anything which is good will survive. And right. anything which is okay probably won't. And I think all this from Franco will survive his new way of playing and just yeah. new new way of thinking. Which I think is fantastic,
1: and I think it's great for people to remember. You don't always have to do it the old way. If it's not mm. working for you, find it, find a way that works.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a Carmen fantasy by Frank Proto, played by Francois Rabat. And now we moved to the great Gary Carr. Mm. Gary, I, I've probably known since I was about 17 or 18. Uh-huh. And he came to the Royal Northern College of Music in Manchester. And we lived a couple of hours away. And my teacher knew him. He'd met him. And we went to a recital. And I was just blown away. So he was only in his 30s, I think, then. Mm. And it, it hasn't changed. He was, I think, Gary Carr from day one. Yeah. And he did a, a very serious first half. I think the baroque sonatas and whatever. And then the second half, uh, Gary became Gary and he was the, the entertainer. And it was astounding, absolutely astounding. And whenever I hear Gary play, I just come away thinking, wow, I can do that. I, I just, I'm so full of enthusiasm and just everything is possible. And well, it, he
1: inspires it, it, you to-
0: Completely, yeah. completely. And the, the CD I've chosen, is Gary playing the concerto by John Downey, American composer. And I have to say, it will never be on the top 10 list of favorite concertos. It's, it's quite modern and it's quite acerbic. And it, it, yeah, but I think, it's a, I think it's a great piece. And I, I knew John, we had corresponded for, for a, a long time. And then I met him once in London. And in fact, it was Gary's, Gary Carr's final recital in London. Oh. Uh, he was retiring. And I was there, and the hall was full, and so I, I got to to meet John because Gary was playing the concerto. I think a couple of days later with the London Symphony Orchestra, and mm-hmm. they were doing a John Downey Festival, which is nice. And, yeah. and he, he was such a lovely man, John. He was he was quite old by then. I don't think he was very well, um, but but he was such a such a genuine and and, and really lovely person. And you can't believe that he could write all this music, which is so uh, completely opposite to how he was. It really was. He used the entire range of the bass. Mm -hmm. But again, this is a recording where you have great player, great composer, London Symphony Orchestra, Jeffrey Simon conductor, and just everything, to me, just everything comes together. And this is is why Gary is so great, I think, with a recording like this.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. Um, I didn't know John Downey's music, Mm. and... um, I didn't know he'd written a bass concerto at all until you and I had been talking. Mm. And so I was excited to, to listen to this and I, you know, it's kind of atonal but not ugly. There's mm. nothing in it. I think that's ugly. Um, it's a really, it's a nice piece. I like it. I think you're right. I think that, you know, the bodicini will always be more famous <laughs> and, and things like that. But, this it was a very cool piece um and i was excited because i've never heard of it and Mm. so i felt like i learned a new piece and i i also feel like it did the piece a great service to have gary playing it Mm. because he can infuse his enthusiasm into anything and like you said he's he's so inspirational you hear him play and and i remember as a kid i'd be like well i might not ever be able to sound like that but i want to try these Mm. pieces that i hear him playing um i think that it was the right call to have gary record this piece mm. and he sounds lovely on it um it's not it sounds like it's not easy to play but it doesn't when you listen to it it doesn't give you this feeling of oh that's hard you know what i mean mm. um so i i really enjoyed it and i especially loved learning a new piece i had heard mm. the tubin double bass concerto and the john harbison double bass concerto um when when those were being sort of you know premiered and things like that but somehow i missed this one and Mm. i'm excited to have heard it it's great i think everyone will enjoy taking a listen on it i
0: I think what i liked about this was this is the other side of gary this is a serious gary yes this is the first half of the program. Yeah, because a lot of the time we see the entertainer because he loves entertaining oh, yeah. and and sharing his enthusiasm. And this is a different way of sharing his enthusiasm. This is a way of also sharing his expertise and musicality, and and just showing why why he's he's world famous and and why he's one of the the great players of the double bass. And I I just love this one. And as I said, it will never be in the top ten. Of, of favorite concertos, but I hope this one survives. I I, I really yeah. think it should do. So this is, is part of the concerto by John Downey performed by Gary Carr and the London Symphony Orchestra. The final cd is bottesini of course it is and <laughs> is there anybody else and it's duets the three grand duets the two double basses, yeah. which i think he wrote when he was a student they're dedicated to his teacher in milan uh, luigi rossi mm-hmm. and uh, they're amazing I, I bought two records of these uh, by two um italian players probably um, in the 1970s which I I think were still great recordings but suddenly this one um was recorded by Ovidio Badilla and Wolfgang Gutler and Wolfgang I, I never met sadly um really great player really wonderful musician Ovidio Badilla was a great friend of ours and and we spent many many hours in his company and I always say to my students a video is the real deal He was not only the best player I've ever heard in my life, probably the best musician as well, and also the nicest person. Mm. He was really such a fantastic um, musician, fantastic bass player. And last time I saw him was in 2000. We were all um, working in Denmark together at the big bass convention. And he'd he'd recorded these, I think maybe a year before. And I'd I'd bought the the, the CD just before I'd, I'd gone to Denmark. And he, so he was telling me about it, and he was saying that they were both Romanian, Gutler and Badella, but he said they decided not to match sounds. They said they were both going to play in their own style and just put the two things together. And when I was listening to it, it just used to make me smile because just the sheer quality, and you could hear they're having a great time together. You could hear they were loving this, and they both had the technique. A video played bass one, and Gutler played bass two and you can hear why a video was just um one of the greatest really just musicality and just fantastic technique and nothing was an issue in these what what did you think susan
1: well i i've known both of their playing um Mm. from afar and never heard them play together before but my first thought and this is kind of funny they play so well together Mm. and it's interesting that that they told that a video told you that they were just going to play the way they played and not sort of, you know, intentionally try Mm. to change what they were doing. I just thought there were two distinct voices that worked so well together. It was just perfect. I, I loved it. And I thought that their interpretation of the piece was super fun. Um, And there was also just like recording engineer thing that I noticed, is that they keep one bass in your left ear and one in your right ear, if you're listening with headphones, (laughs) or um, I have a new monitor that has really good speakers built into it. And so I was listening on that because it's really nice with the bass low end. And I could you could hear them a little more separately in a good way, because of the way it was engineered. And I loved that because it doesn't get muddled together and which which can happen. Um, But I thought, um, God, there's so many tiny quotes from all of Botticini's other pieces, <laughs> concertos and duos and stuff in this in this piece. It's really really fun. I was like, oh, I know that. <laughs> um, and the articulations were super crisp and really nice, but you know, tasteful and totally classy and completely Botticini appropriate. I think. Um, and you know, I it always makes me sad when there are people that are gone that I never got mm. to meet that are players that I really love because I think I would have loved to have heard them live. And this is one of those recordings, as much as I love it, made me a tiny bit sad because I thought mm. oh, I would love to be in the room hearing each of these players individually and together. Just, you know, it's a different experience than hearing it on a recording. The video but, was,
0: was just as good live as he was on the mm. CDs, on the recordings. He, he was a phenomenal player. And That's we, we... such a talent. Yeah, and we shared his last birthday together. We we were all in in Denmark, oh, and, nice. um, and and he knew his wines. He, 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 we were really great friends. We spent every free moment with, with a video. There's me and Sarah, a video, Tepa Hautaaho, and one of my students, Alex Forbes, and we just loved each other's company. And it it was the video's birthday, and he knew his wines. And he went out and bought bottles of wine for everybody. All the teachers, oh, that's so it, nice. it was so nice. And I remember he, he just leant over to me and he, he just, he pointed, he said, these are the ones for us. These are the best ones. Oh. So we, we got the, the best wine. So we got to drink the best wines with a video of And my, my favorite photograph is of, of a video and Teppo and me. It's one o'clock in the morning and we're outside a kebab shop in Odense in Denmark. And we'd had a few drinks and, you know, you get to midnight and I think one of us said, are you hungry? So I am a bit. And so I <laughs> said, I think there's a kebab shop open. So we walked down this kebab shop and, uh, and Alex, my, my student, took this photograph of the three of us. I've still got my jacket on from the, the evening concert and uh, we've all got a, a, a kebab in our hands. And I remember a video ate two kebabs as well. We ate one. <laughs> yeah, he he, he he loved life. He, he did everything. He didn't know anything My halves. video he he was amazing really um but i i love this one just because the the thing i i thought about is it their playing makes these pieces sound like they're great pieces which i don't think they are i think they're good pieces i don't think they're great pieces um but they just sound almost great i I was really quite quite impressed by this
1: it takes wonderful playing to make that happen too Mm, yeah. yeah Yeah. But it was nice. And
0: as I say, to spend so much time with a video was was fantastic. When we, yeah. we first met him in plus in, uh, the Mikkelstein in Germany,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and he was, the, he was the the great big soloist there. We were just sort of ordinary people. Um, <laughs> and I remember when he left, he got this big, big car. And, you know, the rest of us, we just said bye. We're going now and just wave. And he'd got all the lights flashing and the <laughs> The horn blaring and he's waving out the window and I remember Sarah saying only a video only a (laughs) video would do that he he just couldn't leave quietly it was so funny and it's it's nice it's it's nice memories I have of him Um, and it's nice that over the years suddenly people have found videos of him performing because we didn't think there were any
1: yeah it's Um, nice because they are they're up there
0: yeah and it's nice (laughs) so these are my five five uh, recordings which which i really love these are ones i would listen to more than once
1: yes and i love them because they were five i didn't know my Good. Um, yeah my solo <laughs> recording collection is more extensive than i realized but much smaller than yours um and it's it's great because you know different different recordings than I do and these were treats I just loved listening to them preparing to to talk about them with you it was so much fun that I actually have saved you know, some of these are on YouTube you can find mm. them and I've actually bookmarked them so that I can Fantastic. come back to them yeah yeah but I, I think I'm them. a
0: fanatic I think one, one of my directors of music I, I once said I was passionate about this it's oh no, no you're not passionate obsessional <laughs> and, uh, that's probably right actually yeah so that's i've collected good, recordings since i was about 16 yeah um and now i'm 26 i've got quite a few
1: <laughs> you've done it quickly
0: <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> well, so i need... hope you've enjoyed them and i hope anyone listening um enjoys them and, and, and any problems do contact me and i can send you details of the recordings
1: yeah, i urge everyone that's listening to this check these recordings out i know we've put little bits in mm. but listen to the full pieces and even the whole cds or or you know if you find them on youtube see where they send you sometimes it'll mm. send you down a little rabbit hole that can be very exciting <laughs> um but take some time and enjoy listening to these pieces i think everyone will really love them um and i want to thank you david because this was great i i I love that you shared these recordings with me and with everyone else. It's such a treat to learn about new recordings I didn't know about. I have a lot to learn.
0: (laughs) What I enjoyed was going back through my collection and looking at the ones and just finding the ones that I I really loved. And these five, I think, yeah, I can listen to, to more than once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're fun. I listened to all of them more than once just in the past <laughs> week. It's been great. And I want to thank everyone for listening to Base Talk with Hagen and Hayes. Like and, subscri- and subscribe and thank you to everybody. Stay well.